Good evening, everybody. We are here with our Q&A for this 9th of July, year of the Lord, 2022. We just thank God today was a... Awesome meeting. <laughs> it is not because of just the meeting, but the miracle. Hmm, yes. I mean, it didn't look good at all yesterday and this morning when God was good. He overruled the weather report and... And we did, literally had an overflow crowd. I mean, I, I didn't expect, I didn't expect so many to be there, but we just thank God. We just thank God. It, it, it gives you a, like what you say, a pep in your step when God does. Because if you actually saw the weather report for Hyderabad, I mean, I don't think even on my app, I had this alert coming in, alert for Hyderabad that it is red alert, heavy rains. And it didn't rain. It rained after yeah. we finished, yes. but it didn't mm-hmm. rain till then. And the pastors, the poor pastors, because those of you hearing online, you need to realize most of the pastors do not even have a two-wheeler. So they need to rely on public transport to come. And we just thank God they could all make it. Almost everybody from the 90-year-old pastor to the youngest one, they all made it. So we just thank God. We just thank God. So this evening, before we look to the questions and trust God for the answers, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord, your kindness, your mercy, Lord. You caused all this to happen. It was not about us, because somewhere you needed, you knew some of your children needed today's meeting. They needed to hear. You move heaven and earth to reach one child of yours, one servant of yours. Mm, The Lord of Elijah who commands the ravens to feed his servants. You are the same God or master. Your word says you cause the rain in one city and cause dryness in another city. We look at the weather report, we look at the climate, we forget to look into your word which says everything is controlled by you. We just thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now, as we commit ourselves into thy hands and the brothers, the sisters who have sent the prayer requests from the questions from everywhere, Lord, from Australia to U.S. to the Middle East, we have from India, we have questions from everywhere. We pray for the grace to answer. Give us wisdom. Give us direction. Give us discernment that we answer, which is true to your word and to your spirit. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. <coughs> yes, Pastor. Let's start with question number 10. Question number 10. Uh, question says, uh, there is no doubt about it. We live in, dangerous, in, a, in a dangerous world. But instead of motivating Christians in the West to action, today's headlines appear to be paralyzing us. We were never called to live in fear, right? Even though times we live in are frightening, we are right on course with the very plan of God for this world. Things are falling about, apart. Would you say they are just falling into place? Both ways. Like if you go to the first part of the question, we're living in a dangerous world. But if you, I mean, it's interesting that if you listen to preachers 10 years back, 20 years back, 30 years back, 40 years back, 
everyone said the same thing. But actually, as we look, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And that I'll answer the first part, but instead of motivating Christians in the West to action, today's headlines appear to be paralyzing us. We were never called to live in fear. But that was the agenda. Look, I come from a literature background. Let me tell you, like, if you were to read the books which I read in my childhood, we had books, and books of those years and the ages past were specifically directed for boys and girls. They were not the same. They were not the same. So if you were inculcated in that kind of literature or that kind of drama or that kind of movie, what inculcated in the men was courage, chivalry, bravery. It was basically that. It was absolutely the masculine values that we see in scripture and the feminine values you see in scripture was inculcated into both genders separately. So boys grew as boys and girls grew as girls and boys were called to like, you know, that's what the Bible says, even in David says, in spring when kings go to war, mm. into war. Okay. That's, that's the way people grew up, and that's the way the culture was, the literature was, everything was. But in the last 30, 40 years, things changed. If you see that, I mean, if you are into literature, you see literature slowly started changing to becoming a general, gender-neutral literature to making men has wusses and you no know, and what you have is that it happened in the Christian world. While on the other side, the Gentile world, if you look at the Gentile world, even on the Islamic world, a world was becoming more and more militant. Mm. More and more militant. Their culture, their literature, their movies, their route was specific to their cultures was not becoming, it was becoming very, very militant and very, very violent. While on the Christian Western side, it was a complete toning down, toning down. So you know what? Now these things that happened, they don't know how to react. They don't know how to, you look at the junk that's happening in the US, you know. The transgender movement, men pretending to be women, and the whole system going, the woke system going in, people, I mean, all floating on feelings. And the whole question is, when there is a crisis, how do you actually react? They react in fear. They react in fear. So this was a setup. It did not happen yesterday, but like you see, the enemy also thinks far ahead, and he took over the the children it started with the children they took over the children okay you see in our times when we are growing up if a boy got into a fight okay normal boys fight right the mother would look for injuries the father would ask you did he give him back And he would actually tell the mother, don't mollycoddle him. Mm. Don't mollycoddle him. He has to grow up as a man. He doesn't have to pick a fight or anything, but he needs to learn. It's a different, you know, it's a different kind of world he's growing up. Don't mollycoddle, don't make him into a wuss. That was something that I'm not saying you need to be violent or anything, but there is a toughness that was there. And when the system takes that off, and now, we, I mean, you need to hear the... NATO soldiers, the Germans, 
and all who were there, not NATO, who were fighting uh, the peacekeeping mission, whatever you you want to call them, and they were in Afghanistan and all. When they were, when they returned back to Germany, the advisory from the German government, from the military, was not to wear your uniforms when you go out, so that you don't offend the people from the other side who are immigrants over there. Oh. You need the whole system, the whole system, no, the whole system. Okay, so. We need to realize Christianity is not true. Christianity is not a physically violent religion, but it is a very strong religion. Our God is not a weak God. Our God is a very, very strong. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Authentic Christianity and other religions. Which is easier when somebody hits you to hit back? When somebody hits you to turn the other cheek, to turn the other cheek is tougher. Difficult, yes. It's the other one. So Christianity that way internally, character-wise, is a very tough religion. It's not an, it's not an easy religion. It is not a, because of the reason, like we saw in the morning, of the person of God living within us. But we toned it down, we changed the nature, and we ran after prosperity. We ran after prosperity. And the problem is, prosperity, for prosperity's sake, makes you very lazy. You now, you are trying to secure your wealth. No security. They will always say America fought all these wars in the Middle East was just to keep the the petrol, the gas flowing, so that they could live their comfortable lives. They have gas guzzling, big SUVs. They want gas to be cheap, and they kept the Middle East. Basically, the armors in the Middle East is basically to see this gas was flowing in. But when President Trump came in, they found we got too much gas in our own land. We don't need to go and fight somebody's wars. But you need to realize once you have this lifestyle, Abraham was a very rich man, but he was a man of war, which people do not realize. Genesis 14 is the first time where war is mentioned in the Bible. And you see this man taking 318 soldiers, his servants who were born in the household, fighting four kings, their combined armies and defeating them. So you need to realize there is a toughness that is built in us, which has gone out of Christianity. And the prosperity gospel, all these gospels, name it, claim it. There is no enduring of hardships, no enduring of affliction. This endurance, this word endurance is a very tough word. Tough word. Okay, It came into children. It came into homes. Children are taught not to endure, take the easy way out easy way out, you know, keep on switching jobs, don't hang in over there, fight your way through, and marriages don't last, take the easy way out, everybody. You know what is happening? That one word in Christianity called endurance is gone. Endurance is gone. So when you don't have endurance, when crisis comes, what is the first reaction? Is fear. Mm-hmm. It is fear. Okay, we are not like the people of what you see in the book of Acts. The crowds come, they stone you, they beat you up, they stone you and throw you outside, drag you outside the city and when they leave, you get up and you go and you continue preaching. That is endurance, that is resilience, that is strength. And we are talking about that, we are talking about that is gone. It has to come back. So you see at so many levels from the government to the school system to the movies and... uh, 
death within the church. Everything was toning down, toning down, where uh, the average Christian is a very fearful man out there in the West, is a fearful man. Average Christian is a very, very fearful man. And that's not the way we were called to live. We were called to live without fear. Without fear. We are not fighting. We don't have to fight. We fight powers of darkness, but we do not buckle under pressure. Mm. Okay, because the, one of the first thing is that when fear comes in, we stop witnessing. We stop speaking the truth. We start compromising. The problem with truth is the minute compromise comes in, it loses its power to save people, to set you free. There's something about truth. Truth has to be spoken politely, but without fear. So there is Jesus standing before Pilate, coming through a horrible night. He's standing there without fear. Looks Pilate in the eye, and Pilate says, I have the power over life and death over you. He says, you, you don't have it unless it was given to you. Okay. And he talks about truth. Pilate says, what is truth? He says, I speak the truth and those who are on the side of truth hear my voice. Hear my voice. Okay. And that's what Jesus was, his final messages um, to his disciples is that don't fear. When you are taken and told to courts and these places, don't even fear. Like we talk of the Holy Spirit. Says, don't even worry about what you will say. At that moment, lean on that power that is within you. That is the mighty power of God. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. If Christianity in the first 200 years, 300 years, reached the ends of the earth because it was taken by fearless men mm. and women, they crossed oceans. They braved dangers. They were hearts were sold out to God. They loved their God. And they were endured with power. That's gone. It's the devil caught into the church and he changed the gospel about the kingdom of God to the kingdom of man. And you know, we lost it. And when you come to the second part, the second part, <clears throat> We are right on course with the very plan of God. For this, everything is moving according to God's plan. Everything is moving in accordance to God's plan. Things are falling apart. But that is exactly what was said in, uh, if you go to uh, Hebrews 12 and read from verse 26, 27 onwards. Things you know? can be shaken whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that things which cannot be shaken may remain. Why? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So even as everything is falling apart, the ones who are on the road, like we looked at that six factors, those who are saved, those who are separated, those who are being sanctified, those who are serving, those who are suffering for righteousness sake, and through it all, those who are rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. These people, they know deep inside when they look, they see the kingdom. The kingdom, you see in the midst of the shaking, they have peace and joy. That's what we see in the book of Acts. 
in the midst of everything that is happening. They have peace and joy. So everything is being shaken. Not as God said, not only earth, I will shake the heavens too. You look at every country today. The president of Sri Lanka had to be uh, rescued by the army as the crowds got into the presidential palace. Boris Johnson is down, the guy who been the one who, who goofed up the Brexit. The Brexit, I mean, he was a, a clown. And uh, Abbey, um, the Japanese. Japanese ex-prime, the most popular prime minister who has served the longest term in Japanese history, has, he was killed by a rogue yesterday. You see things happening right before our eyes, right before our eyes. You see U.S. the administration going wonky. They don't even know what they are doing. It does not even look normal to your eyes or your senses. Yet there is one entire news media putting express as if these are facts of life. These are not facts of life. But when all these things are happening, we need to look inside and look how are we reacting. How are we reacting? What is the bride of Christ saying? Okay, well, the bride of Christ, when she sees, she looks inside and she says, you know what? The kingdom of God is actually advancing in me. There is righteousness, there is peace, and that's when there is unrighteousness outside, increasing lawlessness, increasing unrighteousness, because when lawlessness increases, unrighteousness increases. But don't worry about that. You have to look inside. Am I growing in righteousness? Is my peace increasing? Is my joy increasing? But that is the real characteristic of the, the, the manifestation, the actual manifestation, your experience of the Holy Spirit. Because if your peace is external, then that is connected with this world. When that the world is shaken, your peace is shaken. Mm. If your joy is external, when the world outside is shaken, then our world inside is shaken. But if it is not external, it is connected to the person of the Holy Spirit. When all that is being shaken, everything is being shaken. You know what happened? You know you are receiving a kingdom that is not being shaken. So two things are happening simultaneously. While people are falling away, all these things are happening. There is something else which we see that is not happening. Like if you were to look, if you were one of the Gentiles standing and watching, all you could see was for 38 years, one set of people, around 2 million people just going round and round. And they would have called these are nomads, poor fellows. They came out of Egypt. Their gods kind of could take them out, but could not take them in. It's like that foolish Gentile king who said their God is the king of the mountains. Mm. He's not the king of the valleys. God said, I will show them. <laughs> they must have thought their God can bring them out but they cannot bring them in. So they were all like, if you actually watch, but something else was happening. God was preparing another generation to take over and they would be a fearless generation. They would take the promised land. Okay, so while on one side that is happening, something else is happening on the other side. There are in all these countries where persecution is at the highest there are tens and thousands and men and women who are living their old religion and faith and they are fearless in their testimony, fearless in their suffering and affliction for Christ Jesus. And the church is actually growing. Only thing, we are not seeing it. Because this is not for human consumption to put on your mission board. This is for God. Mm-hmm. The church is not getting weaker. Actual church is getting stronger. And it is getting stronger. And they are not fearless. They are fearless. 
because that's what the Bible says, because things are moving in his timeline. And finally, when it moves, what you see on earth, what you don't, because we cannot see what's happening in heaven, is Hebrews 12.11. Mm. They overcame him. The devil is overcome. The ruler of this world is overcome. That's the ruler of the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But they overcame him. These are the overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. They know what Christ has done by the word of their testimony and their attitude. They did not love their lives to the death. That is the thing. They did not love. They died daily. They were not in love with their life on earth. They were in love with their life with God. And that, it's happening. So everything is moving according to his time plan. The only thing we need to, we, 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 our concern is how this is going to turn. Because the next, this is two, next two years are going to be very, very important. Which way is things going to turn? Which way things are going to turn? Because sometimes what happens is, if you look, it will look like, when it looks, when it looks so bad, and it is hopeless and over, that's when God intervenes. Hmm. God intervenes. On one side, the, de- the demonic and their servants are on busy on schedule on a reset. And they don't care what people are going through. You take the vaccination or you will be cut out of the system. You go green, we don't care what's the price of fossil fuels. We will raise it up until you are forced to go green. Their agenda is very, very, they are going like, like, like on full steam ahead. But God can just... You see, at the end of the day, these are all frail men sitting at the top. Mm. God can just knock them out like this. And he showed it to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, he was boasting about his power. And God says, I'll show you mm. what your power. And he became like an animal. Okay, so we do not know, specifically, we do not know a timeline. Is there going to be a reset by God? Honestly, I do not know. Or is this the end? I do not know. All God has taught or told us is that, you know, endure, build this into your, build this into, if you're going on, if you're going on to the countryside where there are no metal roads and no absolute rocky roads, what kind of a vehicle would you take? You take a rugged vehicle, therefore we'll drive rugged vehicle, okay? And that's what God is talking about. He says, build endurance into your system. And like I always said, for me, the manual in the Bible, I, I'm talking as an instruction manual, is Paul's letters to Timothy. This is an old, very serious, very senior veteran from war, spiritual war. Writing to a young rookie. He's a good guy, but he's a rookie. He's a fearful fellow. You read Timothy and you look at the instructions he's giving him. He's saying, you know, Timothy, you're a fearful character. You cannot go like this. You want to finish. You have to endure. You have to endure hardship. You have to think like a soldier. You have to think like a soldier. You cannot. And the second Timothy is entirely, it says, no, you have to think like a soldier when it comes to hardship. You have to be patient like a farmer when it comes to harvest. You have to think like an athlete 
when you are running a race. He's bringing all these imageries in and says, you know what, that's what you need to be Timothy. And Timothy is a young man. So this is not something that is new. This has always been happening because why is it to Timothy? Because if you look at Timothy, Timothy is a mixture. He's got a Greek father and a Jewish mother. So the Jewish mother from that, he gets that strain of endurance because the Jews are one of the most battle-hardened people because they have been persecuted, Hmm. persecuted, persecuted. And the Greeks are the laid-out intellectuals. They're all the philosophers and the thinkers and this thing. And that's what basically do they do. They sit and talk and philosophy, talk, talk, talk. So he's a mixture of that. And now he's telling Timothy, young man, that way you won't endure. You won't endure. You need to be, you need to toughen your act up and don't be afraid. One thing he says is do not be afraid. But the question is, how do I not be afraid? And the answer is again, there is a person given. And that person is the spirit of power mm-hmm. and the spirit of love and the spirit of sound mind. He says, he, lean on to him. He actually gives you power and strength on a day-to-day basis. He will take you through. He says, he will take you through. No. So there is a practical one. Stand on the word of God. God has seen the end. End is absolute victory. The enemy's reign will be over. The kingdom of God will come. He will reign on earth for a thousand years. But from the beginning till the end, he always has been reigning. He has never lost control for one second. So if you look around, it's all falling into place. Biblical prophecies written 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, just falling into place right before our eyes. Right before our eyes. Yeah, we see that. We see that happening. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So there's another question. Uh, this is on similar lines. This is question number uh, eight because of talking about endurance. Question number eight. This is from an, a senior person. Uh, eight, two questions are there. Two parts are there. Evil is just where blood, evil is just not where blood has been spilt. Evil is in the self-absorbed human heart. I know somebody said this. Not sure who said it. Honestly, mirrors don't lie. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful. A puzzle that no no one can figure out. My question to to you is, I judge my heart daily, my intentions, my motives. Being saved very late in life, I believe I have so much to repent each and every day. Sometimes I think as an old woman, what if Jesus comes tomorrow? I may have forgotten to confess some of my sins. Would I miss out on my crown? I too want my mansion in heaven. Is there something I'm missing out? Please let me know. Okay, one thing uh, you, you you have got it wrong. You have got it wrong is that you need to realize is that when you come to Christ, when you have repented and you believe and you are saved, you're forgiven of all your sins. Mm. Forgiven of all your sins. You're forgiven, period. A new nature has been given. So otherwise you'll get it wrong. Oh, now I need to go back. I need to keep asking about all my old. No, we have been made perfect by mm. one sacrifice. Yes. One sacrifice. So don't de- talk about the old man. Talk about the new man. That's what Second Corinthians 5.17 says. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. creation. All things have all passed away. 
behold all things are new now the issue here is let us say you came like our being saved very late in life let us say i get saved at the age of 60 by 60 years you are set mm. you are set your thinking is set your body is set everything about you is set and then you get saved you get saved okay but now when you get saved you are a new creation in that old body old mindset mm. old habits so it will be a tougher battle but it's a battle that still can be won simply because of who lives inside you this whole battle can be won only if you allow the spirit of god that's what jesus is telling them he is going to come the helper is going to come kjv uses the word comforter the other word paraclete is the one who is the helper and if you look at jesus everything jesus did on earth even till now what he does is does through the holy spirit that's something which we miss you see one of the fundamental mistakes that has happened in the in the, in the church is why did much of the church go wonky is because they took the third person of the trinity out of doctrine you take the holy spirit out all you have is theology mm-hmm. it does not work without the spirit of god when the jesus when the israel was told the lord your god is one he is also saying in other ways they work together The father won't work without the son. The son will not work with the spirit. And the spirit won't work without the father and the son. They work together. When you take the spirit of God out as a person and make it into a it, into power, the whole issue is now you are in control and using power. Like when it comes to electricity, I can switch it on and off. Now that is just power. But the Holy Spirit is not power, though he gives you power. and he is the power manifestation of god he is a person he is a person you can lie to he is a person you can test he is a person whom you can resist he is a person whom you can grieve he is a person you can quench so holy spirit is a person and think about it he is the person who is actually living in you He's the person who is living in you. He's the actual person to whom you are accountable on a day-to-day, minute by minute, moment by moment. Let me tell you a simple thing to do. I'm just checking from practical this thing. If you notice, all of us talk to ourselves, right? Yes, of course. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you tried to change it and start talking to the Spirit of God? I don't talk to myself. I talk to the Spirit of God. sometimes i have an ongoing conversation with him he doesn't have to respond but i talk to him anyway because children come and talk to their father and the father may be busy reading and in the middle he'll say but they keep on talking instead of talking to yourself why don't you talk to the person of god that is who is in you why don't you talk to him why don't you talk to him okay because ultimately conviction has to come from him mm-hmm. See, the Spirit of God is above your conscience. Yeah. It's above your conscience. Okay. Conscience is there as a guide. Mm-hmm. But we have something bigger and higher than even my own conscience. It is the Spirit of yes, God. Yes. It is the Spirit of God. Okay. And that's what it's talking about. So, uh, you don't have to confess forgotten sins. 
You don't have to do any of those things. When you confess, you are forgiven. Now, what we are doing basically is that if something of my 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 nature is is bent towards a particular sin, then you go back into past and see what is the iniquity that is empowering it. Oh. Mm-hmm. What is the iniquity that is empowering it? Okay, like today. The father brought after the meeting, brought a son, and he's having demonic encounters and this thing and also it's a young man. So the simple question I asked him is, did you open a door? Did you open a door for the demons to come in? Have you been watching something that you shouldn't be watching? Because for the demons to come in, there has to be an entry. If you are a believer, if you are a believer and you've been sanctified, you open that door, they come back again and operation begins. Okay, operation begins. So you need to go back and the Spirit of God will show you where did your operation begin? Where did your operation begin? Where did you, where did you, like this, they bring the little boy who is with an epileptic, demonic spirit. Jesus used it. It's not a sickness. It's a spiritual thing manifested as a sickness in the body. So he asked this question, how long? How long? How long? How long? Even with a man, issue of blood, uh, sorry, cripple sitting over there. He inquires and finds 38 years. 38 years. And that's why he asked him this question, do you want to be made whole? Because sometimes you get used and comfortable with your bondage. You and the demon are best buddies now. You can't go without each other. And he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? So you have to look at certain things, you know, certain things. And that is where the Holy Spirit comes. You are saved. You are on the way home. But the question is, uh, if I'm right, it's Galatians 5 and verse 17. 5 and verse 17. For the flesh, okay? Lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The flesh is that old man in me. The old man, the Adamic nature in me. He contends, he fights. Um, the KJ, Is that KJV or NKJV? NKJV, that word lust is a very kind of, okay? The other actual word would be used to be, it fights, it contends. Who is my flesh fighting? Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. We don't, and where is the Spirit of God? It's inside, in me. Inside. And where is the flesh? In me. There's a battle going inside. It's a battle going on. And the battle, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But the question is, we have a will. We have a will. Right? And uh, it's Romans, it says, If by the Spirit you put to death. 13. Okay, Romans 8, 13. Okay, can go there. Yeah. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. That doesn't mean you will lose your salvation. Okay. There are carnal Christians in Corinth. It is not that they will lose their salvation. They will lose all their crowns, inheritance, inheritance rewards. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So what is saying that? You can put it to death. How can you put it to death? You can't do it on your own. But you can it through the Spirit. So the Spirit will show you. 
the spirit will first first work the spirit does is that he will show you he will like let us say let us say you are short of breath you are short of breath okay you are short of breath and you may be struggling with short endurance and you know it's not right you been the spirit of god convicts you you know it's not right it's not real it's not right it's not but short temperedness is just a manifestation it is basically what you call the sin it is the fruit it is not the root it is not the root so you ask the spirit of god what what do what do what where is this coming from what is the issue like you go to the radiologist right you got to, and they do it the spirit of god will say you know why you're short tempered because you always had your way in life mm you always had your way in your life and now as you are moving in a community or you got married or you are in a family and you suddenly realize you cannot have your way always it is manifesting as anger so what do i do it says humble yourself and let the other person have their way <laughs> now you know what's happening you are tackling the iniquity when it say humble thyself in the the sight of the lord it does not mean what we think to humble yourself the spirit of god will tell you what to do what to do practically will tell you what to do tell what to do you cannot run away from your problems you have to face them you have to face them a lot of people will know a lot of people when they don't have their own way they will sulk that's as you cannot sulk go be normal go talk normal they will isolate themselves god says you cannot isolate yourself you cannot isolate hmm. because the right hand did not get its own way i am not going to do anything he says no you can't work like that what if your body reacted like that mm. the left leg wanted to put the step first but the right leg did so i am not going to go where will you go this you cannot you see if you look in your body there's a complete humbling of every part of the body they're humbling and submitting to one another and therefore they're functioning as a whole and he says that's a simple thing he said look into your body your body is a very humble system they are submitting to each other therefore they are functioning as a unit and whenever one part of the body gets injured everybody takes up the weight the rest of the body is very concerned about it and it tries to alleviate the pain and functioning around it he says that's why i call the church a body so you have to look at all these things by the spirit see if you look look at over there the second part of but if by the spirit you put to death it is not by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body ah hallelujah it's so easy so you will do everything he said yeah yes and no i will do it but you have to do it i will tell you what to do i will give you the power to do it but the one who executes is you it is not me mm. it's not me you have to do it you have a will you know what to do yes i will tell you what to do it and i will give the strength also to do it but you have to do mm. it ultimately it will be your action humble thyself in the sight who has to do the humbling how to humble what is the act that is required to humble the holy spirit will say mm. 
that you don't know mm-hmm. you don't know every situation it will be different it won't be the same it will differ it will differ we we do not know each situation holy spirit will tell you this is what why do i need to do he said that's a way of humbling but why do i have to humble myself because more grace will be given to you more grace will be given to you and he says if you do that you will know so we are not going back into a past and picking up sins and then confessing it again no we don't have to do it. it's all done the day you got saved genuinely got saved all your sins were forgiven but now you are dealing with issues from the past which is affecting your present that is what you are doing when you look at your present behavior and you realize you know that i know i've heard the word i have the conviction of the holy spirit the spirit of god is speaking to me the word of god is speaking to me this is not what i am supposed to do so you are confessing of the current sin which you did today not what you did 20 years ago today but you are looking back in it and you where did this begin why is it so strong how do i break this iniquity like the the most fantastic example you have in the new covenant with uh, with jesus you, i mean you have many examples with jesus when he's dealing with people right no there is this paralytic man the roof is broken he's let down and jesus looks at him and says son your sins are forgiven hmm. okay he doesn't say be healed you are healed he says your sins are forgiven so he's looking at the sickness as sin and uh sorry the sickness as a manifestation and whatever he has done as a cause he says your sickness has a spiritual cause and i'm dealing with the root mm. you're forgiven pick up your mat and go and they're very upset not because he is healed instead of being excited they are so upset because he forgave somebody's sins only god can forgive okay so you're looking at it there is a cause and there is an effect he dealt with the cause okay if you deal with the cause the effect will go effectual and that's what happens he walks into jericho his final visit to jericho he sees one small rich man on top of the tree he looks straight at him and says come down come down he doesn't say and he says i'm coming to your house today do you know what he's offering he's offering him fellowship i know you have been rejected in your community i know they hate you i know they want fellowship with you but god who has come down in flesh is offering you reconciliation i'm coming to your house and they're all upset and he goes to his house and zacchaeus stands up and does two things first he says half my wealth i give to the poor second he says from whoever i have stolen i give them four times over now technically he has only to do the second thing he doesn't have to do the first thing but what is the first thing the first thing is iniquity why has he been taking money from others why has he been taking bribes why has been extorting money from the others because what empowers it covetousness if you don't deal with covetousness even if you say lord i'm sorry i stole and forgive me and you return this money you will go back to it later oh. you have to deal with covetousness so when he puts the axe on the root not just on the fruit he says i give half my wealth over covetousness has been hit it has been hit so we have to go back and see there are these two things which are there there is sin it's a manifestation when it comes but there is something else which is called iniquity iniquity can lie dormant without it manifesting its sin in people for a long time 
when the conditions are right, the sin manifests. It manifests. It can lie dormant. It can lie dormant. Okay, it's like the seed in the ground. Okay, suddenly the rains came. Suddenly we see things all popping up, mm. everything. What happened? The conditions were right. Mm. Okay, now you ask this question, and this is the most strangest things I've always watched. Whenever there have been riots, whenever there has been riots, and law and order has broken down, why is that? Rich people, people, let us say in India, in, even in India it happens, okay, it has happened, it is happened. Even rich people who have their SUVs and pickup vans, why do they drive in and break into stores and pack them and take them? Is it that they don't have it? Hmm. When riots are taking place and police is no longer on the streets because it is bad and people are breaking down shop, showrooms and everything and stealing stuff, suddenly you realize it is not the poor who are stealing. Hmm. It is half of the people who are stealing are rich people. So the iniquity was always within you. What stopped you? It was the, con- the condition was not right. Mm. Mm. See, if you look at what you call, I mean, I don't even know what you call this big screen TVs and all, no? Yeah? No, 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 I'm not talking about theater, the ones they yeah. buy in the house and all. What? A plasma TV. A poor guy living in a hut is not going to steal a plasma TV because his hut is too small for it. But the one who stole the plasma TV is a guy from a well-to-do neighborhood. Okay? So what's the difference between him and him? Nothing. When the condition was conducive, the iniquity manifested as sin. So that is what God is talking about. You have to look back into the iniquity. What is the iniquity? What is the iniquity has to be dealt with. And iniquity, when iniquity comes, what goes? Equity goes. Mm. Equity goes. So anger, no, lack of impatience, all these behind it, there are reasons why these things happen. Why does it happen? Okay, you are impatient, maybe because, like we say in English, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You never had to wait for anything. Mm. Never had to wait for anything. Whatever you want, the resources are always there to you. You never had to wait. Never had to wait. Now you have come into the kingdom of God. You entered into the house of God. And suddenly you are asked to wait. Hmm. But you have never had to. But when you come through the four portals of the church door, you are like anybody. Like Lord Mountbatten said, at the foot of the cross, we are all the same. That is the most... See, salvation cannot happen without a humbling of self. Salvation is the end of self. You cannot save yourself. Your money cannot save you. Your education cannot save you. Your power cannot save you. Your influence cannot save you. Nothing can save you. You are absolutely, totally at the mercy of another person called Jesus Christ. You believe in what I do or you go to hell. And you have to humble yourself. The rich, the poor, the good, the righteous, the unrighteous, the wicked. Everybody has to humble themselves at the foot of the cross. That's why. The sinners get into the kingdom of God and Jesus says the righteous are outside because they are not willing to humble themselves. He used that term with the righteous. He said, I have not come to save the righteous but the sinners because he says, as long as you think you are righteous, you are not going to get saved because you are going to count on your righteousness. 
And he says, it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich. What's the problem with the rich? The rich always had his way in life. All these things are happening around the world. Is the rich suffering? No. Oh, they're not suffering. They make us suffer. Yep. They will say fossil fuels, green energy, and they're all flying in their private jets. Burning of fossil fuels. <laughs> okay. So you look at it, but so what, what happens to the rich? He's counting the cost. If I have to humble myself, one, and allow it. See, the rich man understands the gospel very well. Don't think he doesn't understand the gospel everywhere. Because I'm, re- I'm dealing with so many very rich people. And I have to keep telling them. Until you cry out to Jesus from your heart for mercy, you're not going to get delivered. I don't promise you anything. When you cry out to Jesus, you may lose everything. What he gives back to you is in his hands. Mm. He may give everything back. He may give nothing back. That's the terms of salvation. The question is, count the cost. Where do you want to go when you die? Count the cost. Count the cost. This is the problem with rich people. The people with powerful people. Everybody wants to be a secret believer. How long? I understand there is a sense in oppressed nations and systems and all. You have to be a secret believer. But if your secret belief is consistently making you deny Jesus in practical, physical terms, you're not a believer. Hmm. Not a believer. If you are pulled up, okay, let's say you're a, in a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist, but you are pulled up into a system where you are asked to stand and say, are you a Muslim or a Christian? And you say you are a Muslim. You are not a believer. Wow. You have denied, denied. Your, you have denied your faith. You have denied it. Jesus says, if you deny me on earth, I will. But God is not asking you to go around and shout in the streets, look, look, I have converted. No, you be very wise. Don't be foolish. Don't be stupid. Because then you are cutting short your life. You go jump out in your emotion and say, I have become a Christian. And then everybody stones you to death. That is the end of your testimony. On the other hand, if you had waited for God's own timing, you would have probably brought in more into the kingdom of God. And at one day, a point in life, when God will put you in the friend, where you die as his martyr, you bring many more into the kingdom of God. So there is a season and a timing. There is a spirit of God, a person who guides you on all these things. Mm. But the other side of the picture is this. Jesus said... Count your cost. Count your cost. See, the whole thing is that we perverted the gospel. The gospel is no longer about the kingdom. What we hear today is the gospel of man. It is not the gospel of the king. He told us, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Do Are we hearing it? Even when we hear about the kingdom, The issue is now, what we hear about the kingdom is only about dominion. Only about dominion. We have been given dominion over powers of darkness. We have been given dominion over sin. We have not been given dominion over people. 
nowhere in the new covenant yeah, has yes, he given us yes. dominion over people. So if you do not have dominion over people and the enemy is able to do, like in the book of Acts, turn the people against you, what will be your reaction? Everything Paul faced was from people. Everything that he faced was from people. To the very people you are sent to save them. How are you going to react? That is the problem with dominion theology. The problem with dominion, dominion theology is you are not able to accept that. You're not able to accept that. The fact that you actually go preach the gospel and people will not receive it. Not only that, they are going to turn hostile. But are you going to stand there in love, in kindness, and continue preaching? That you don't change. change. And you consider yourself that you it's a matter of honor to be considered worthy to suffer Christ Jesus' yeah. sake. This was authentic Christianity down through. Mm. Okay. It was not about money. It was not about possessions. It was not about any of those things, which some cases God gave. Some cases God did not give because like the Holy Spirit knows each one of us what we need on earth, what is his plan on earth. The Holy Spirit knows God's will for each one of us. We are surrendered to the will then we need only what is part of the will. What do we need? Why do we need something which is not part of the will? What are we going to do with Anything I receive which is not part of God's will is technically useless. Not only useless, it is harmful. Now that very thing that I received will start working in my life against the will of God. Against the will of God. So that is where this reliance of the Spirit of God, a person, a person the only person, the Bible makes it very clear, the only person who can reveal to each one of us personally the will of God for us. We cannot find it ourselves by studying the word yes, of God. Yes. We can only find the general will of God. Even there we'll go wrong. <laughs> there is this testament, that's which means will. There is the testator, which is Jesus Christ. And there is the executor of the will. Yeah, the right. executor of the will is the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, I will never found right the will of God for my life. What do you want me to do? When Paul asked, Jesus said, it will be told you. And God is working suddenly because a man asks, what do you want me to do? He picks up a man in the church in Damascus called Ananias. He appears in Acts 6 and Acts 9 and disappears after that. We don't hear him, but he's, but if you look in, if you look in chain of events, he's a big man. Oh. Or he's a small man with a big task. What is his task? To go meet Saul of Tarsus. Give him the word of God. Lay your hands upon him. His eyes will open. Baptize him and disappear. But you have done your part. And this man is going to be. But that is the will of God for Ananias. He must have done many things in the kingdom of God. But this is not written. We will find it out in heaven one day. One day. But you need to realize there was a man. Called Saul of Tarsus. He asked a question. And God is now orchestrating events. Paul makes many mistakes if you read through it all. That is because he is also learning like all of us what it is to submit to this person of the Holy Spirit and to hear from him, to learn from him, allow him to lead. It's a one day. It's a one day. And because he is your father, the Holy Spirit is your father, actual father. He birthed you in the spirit. When you goof up and you actually go back to him, he's not mad at you. Hmm. He's not bad. It's like a father deals with his son. Dad, I goofed up. It's okay, son. Don't do it again. Come on, let's try it out together. That's why you know why you goofed up. 
Because one, you didn't ask me. Second, you didn't listen to me. I said, we got to do it together. You are not to do it on your own. No man has ever succeeded doing it on. Only one man has succeeded in all his ways. You know who it was? It is Jesus. Yes. And do you know why? Because he did everything by yes. me, with me, and through me. And that is a format have given. So it's a process. You actually learn to to walk with the Holy Spirit. But the problem is this is a person. And this person, many things which he says, our flesh will hate it. Well, Not many things, all, all things. All things, yeah. All things. Yeah. You will hate it because it's a humiliation for the self. self. Yeah. It's a humiliation for the self. There's nothing in the self for that, what the Holy Spirit tells you. Okay. But once you learn, you will realize the real you now is not yourself. It's a new born again person. That is the real person. Yeah. So there are two entities in me. There's an old man. He's not the real person. Though you have lived so long as him, you think it is like alter personalities, the dummies who write to me. When I tell them dummy, they say, don't call me a dummy. These are alters writing to me. And I keep telling the alters, you know what? Do you know you are not real? I ask alters. Do you know you are not real? You're not real. You're just occupying somebody's body. You're not the real person. There's another person which is the core. You're not the real person. You're not the real person. I have told all that. Do you want to know you are not real? No, I am real. Really? Take a look in the mirror. Oh, boy. Take a look in the mirror. Take a look in the mirror. When they look in the mirror... What did you do to me? What did you do to me? How did I become like this? I said, that's why I told you you are not real. You are a 15-year-old entity caught in a 50-year-old body. Is that who you are? No. Is that what you are inside? No. So you are not real. My old man is not real. Man that is real is the new man. But both are in the same body. Both are in the same body. You need to look at your altar, old man. <laughs> altar, old man. Okay? Altar, old man. And you tell him, you are not real. You are not real. I am going to take care of the new person. That is what Jesus said. You cannot pour new wine. Old wine skins, yeah. Cannot put cannot. He says, the whole person has to change. The old man has to die. Mm. But he won't die. So you have to kill him every day. He won't die. You have to kill him every day. So you will always can hear, if you are willing, the voice of the flesh and the voice of the spirit. And if you obey the voice of the spirit, every time it is nailing the flesh. Nailing the flesh. Okay, That's why I said, the old man asked this question, what do I feel? What do I think? What do I want? The new man asked, what does God feel? When God told about how unhappy he was about Saul, Samuel cried the whole night. He cried the whole night. He cried over God's grief and he cried over Saul. He was crying. He's not crying over himself. He's identifying with the grief of God. 
and the mess that has happened in Israel. He cried the whole night. So he's now vicariously feeling the feelings yeah, of God. God. That's a question why I keep asking. Why don't people pray? Because they cannot be touched by the feelings of God. God well, God is touched by our feelings. Yeah. And Hebrews forces we have a high priest who sympathizes with us because he is touched by our feelings. But we are not touched by his feelings. That's why people don't pray. Because to pray, God has to put his burden on your spirit. Hmm. Now you are not praying for yourself. You are praying according to the will of God. He's putting his burden, his desire, his feelings, you want to use it as feeling, on you. on you. So it's no longer about what do I feel, Lord, what do you feel about this? What you think about this? I know what I think, but I also know it is not kosher because it, it could be the old man. Or it could be the old man trying to interpret the word of God. But now I am asking you, Lord. This is what I think. And as far as I understand my scripture, it seems to be right. But Lord, what do you think? Let me honestly, like we talked about David today, right? In the church towards the end. You go into the entire old covenant or even new covenant. Do you find a man who was led by the spirit that anything you would go back and ask God? And God would tell him, this is how you need to do it. And he's a military veteran. Mm. Every time he goes out to fight, he wins. But every battle he will go and ask God, is this the way? God says, no, this time do Enemy is the same. You got all this experience. He doesn't take any of this thing for granted. He still will go back to God. Bah. He will still go back to God. Okay. This was a man. in the. He was actually a new covenant man living in the old covenant. He knew how it was to be led by the Spirit. Okay. And one day, one day, the Bible says, if I write in First Samuel chapter 24, he didn't ask what God th- thought. He just thought to himself. He just thought to himself. And he followed it. He just followed it. In 24-1, if I'm right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now it happened when Saul... No, no, okay, no. not he. Okay. So, yeah. Um, when he goes into the Philistine camp, it's okay. He says, you know... David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. Okay. One, it is a feeling. His feeling is getting in time. It is a feeling. Okay, feeling has come. And now there is a thought. First, this is what I feel. Second, this is what I think. Second is think. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair. That is a thought. And so, I shall escape. I will do it. So, I will. I feel. I think I will. And God, 16 months is gone. And God has to wait. God is not going to change you. God says, I will wait. But God is moving in the background. He's doing things in the background. And you know what happens? He waits until everything is burned out. Everything you built in those 16 months is burned to ashes. Every man you relied on, his hand is against you. And at that time, David turns to God. God answers. God never left him. He's always there. I am always for you, son. I love you. I love you. You are my boy. I know you love me and I love you. But the problem is you went your way. And I'm waiting for you to come back. When you come back, you will realize I was exactly where you left me. I never moved. I'm still there waiting for you where you left me. The next thing you see is restoration taking place. Did it cost him? Of course it cost him. 
Because you cannot go live in 16 months in the Philistine territory and go with the Philistine king to fight Israel and accept, uh, expect all the other tribes of Israel to accept you as king when Saul is dead because they, see these are not spirit led people. Mm. These are all very carnal set people. So they're looking at it and they are not willing to accept him as king. So he has to wait another seven years before all of Israel will accept him as king. So what did he lose? That's what I said. He didn't lose 16 months. He lost eight years and four months. So seven years he ruled from Hebron. 33 years he ruled from Jerusalem. So what did he lose? He lost seven years of ruling from Jerusalem. What did I lose? I lost that seven years. Jerusalem is God's city. Mm. That seven years where I should have been in Jerusalem. Hebron is fellowship, but Jerusalem is righteousness and peace. I'm having fellowship, yet I don't have the righteousness. Melchizedek, mm. king of righteousness. Shalom, Jerusalem. Means so, who is Jesus? Where does Jesus reign from? Jesus talks to me at Hebron, but he reigns from Jerusalem. He doesn't reign from Hebron, he reigns from Jerusalem. So, I am supposed to be in Jerusalem, though I fellowship with him in Hebron. I am supposed to abide in Jerusalem. He speaks from Zion. His king David is supposed to speak from Zion. Zion is the highest point of Jerusalem. Not only Jerusalem, you have to go beyond that to Zion. Mm -hmm. So you'd see what is missing he out on. And this, but God is a God of restoration. God is a God of restoration. So he comes to restore. So we have to look, go back and ask the Spirit of God. And he doesn't come to condemn you. He doesn't come. He always comes to convict you. When you refuse his conviction and go your own way, then the Bible says, be careful you do not refuse him who speaks, speaks to you. Yeah. Don't forget, because you know what? He is a consuming fire. What does that actually mean? Does that mean he will throw you into hell? No. His fire will burn up everything that you built up in disobedience. When David comes back from Ziglag. You know, Ziglag has been burned down to the ground. Everything has been done. When the prodigal son comes back, he has lost All everything. Mm. He has lost everything. He will burn it down. He will burn it down. You will lose it all. But you will. You may lose all your money. Or maybe you will lose your name, your reputation you built. You lose it all. But what do you get in return? You get to return the acceptance of God. And what is that you are going to value is the whole thing. What are you going to value? The honor of men or the honor that comes from God alone? God alone. These are the questions we have never to ask. That's why Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? What do you put in the world? When you look at the world, what is that you put in the money? Wealth, power, pleasure, reputation, name, fame. You put all that with the world and lose your soul. That's why God says, number your days. You have all this. How long? Look at all the leaders in this world. How long? They're going to rule forever. Going to rule forever. Okay. Even U.S., once upon a time, the most powerful nation on the earth. There's term limits. Two terms maximum a president gets. After that, he's ex-president. Hmm. Okay. 
is ex-president. He cannot get a third term. Okay, President Xi can appoint him president for life. What is going to live forever? <laughs> His life is also in God's hands. Right? He's going to live forever. No, he's not going to. If tomorrow God says, your time is up, your time is up. And oh fool, what about your soul? Ah. What about your soul? So none of these things, we'll talk about Elon Musk, right? Richest man in the world, $220 billion. So what are you going to do with all this money? How many billion years do you need to spend all this money? <laughs> what are you going to do with all this? What is, I mean, everybody will, have, this, these are the people who are projected, right? If you're projecting the world, the powerful ones, the ones who have followers, the ones who have money. If you look at, you know, somebody may not have that money, but has 22 million followers on Twitter, so he becomes a hero. He may have no brains in his head, he may have nothing at all, <laughs> but he has 22 million, so he's an icon. Everybody wants to be like him. Okay. Or somebody has money. I mean, if you look at Elon Musk, he has nothing. He has no character. He has no moral scruples. He has no integrity. He's got nothing. He's a crackpot. Sometimes I think whether he's an alien. He looks also like one. But why do people all listen to him? Because he's got money. Let me ask you this honest question. Take Elon Musk's money from him. Who will listen to him? Nothing. What does he have to listen to him? You can take everything away from Christ, but everybody will listen to him. <laughs> you can take everything away from Christ. Hanging on the cross, you will still listen to him. And one man, God said, truly, this is the son of God. A thief entered into paradise. You took everything from him, but he's standing on the strength of who he is. It is the spirit of the father speaking through him. The question is, you look at all these people, you take everything from them. What is What the world has given them? What do you have left? What is that? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. And that is the thing. You look at the people in the kingdom of God who were surrendered to, you know, to, to God and allowed the spirit to live and speak through them. You could take them, everything from them. That's why God says, Abel, though he's dead, he still, still speaks. speaks. Everything's taken So away. the question is, who speaks through Abel? God. God speaks through Abel. It is not Abel who is speaking. It is God who is speaking through Abel. The first message of the gospel is preached by Abel. You cannot come into God's presence other than through the blood. There is a way. It is through the blood. No other way. Abel is still speaking. If Abel doesn't speak, Enoch cannot walk. Noah cannot work. Abraham cannot love. But Abel has to speak first. The first message, gospel message, is preached by Abel. You take Abel out, all the other rungs of the ladder will fall. Mm. You need Abel there first. How does he speak? There's only one way you can come to God the blood of his son. Hmm. That's Abel speaks. One message, that's enough. He's still speaking. Did he do anything? No. He died, yes, but he's still speaking. And he will speak all through eternity. He will still be speaking what? I showed a way to mankind. It is not the way of rebellion of my father. It is the way of not the rebellion of my brother. It is a rebellion. It is the way of faith, of submission to God's own way, come through the blood. There's no other way other than to the blood of God's only son. So you need to look at all that and say, you need to actually sit there and evaluate your life and say, Lord, what do I have in my life that is absolutely of you? Which I know, according to scripture, will go on to the other side. 
what is that I have in my life which is Christ? And what is that I have in my life which is me? Because I know me is not going anywhere. It is Christ who is going that side because the hope of my glory is Christ in me. And that's why it has become so difficult to preach today, even in the church. And I thank God for the poor pastors, because it's easier to preach to them. They're such simple, the number of them who came back and talked to me today. They're so simple pastors, it is so easier to preach them about the cross and about Christ and about the Holy Spirit than to the big and the famous ones. Absolutely. Big and famous ones. They already picked up all their ideas from the world. It is from the world. It's very difficult to do that. Because when you say being led by the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, you cannot be led by the Holy Spirit if you don't have the cross. Yep. That is the point he starts leading you. Okay. If I have to be led by the Holy Spirit, the simple question is, what do I have to do? God will say, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then he will lead you. My spirit can never, has never led anybody who has not denied himself and picked up his cross. Then only he can lead. Jesus denied himself, picked up his cross. Okay, cross is an instrument where your self-will, and where is the Holy Spirit leading him? He is leading him into the wilderness. Into the wilderness. For what? To be tested of the devil. Why do I need to be tested? That's not for yours to say. You prayed this morning, right? When you're getting baptized, you prayed, right? Yes. I prayed. Well, when you prayed, I searched the heart of the Father. The Father said, after your baptism, this is what I need to do with you. Take you into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. Don't think he's living this life of God on earth. He came as man. He emptied everything everything of himself and is on a moment by moment dependent upon the Holy Spirit to reveal the Father's will to him. So the Bible says, while he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit is leading him. Who wants to go into the wilderness? When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to go to preach. Hmm. God says, no, go to the wilderness. He's a surrendered man. That's why the Bible is very, very interesting, right? In John chapter 3, you have Nicodemus. Once you have met and preached to Sanhedrin, ruler, one of the top guys in the Jewish religious system. The next to the Spirit says, go to the Samaritan woman. I mean, <laughs> what is this, Lord? Yesterday I spoke to Nicodemus. Today to a Samaritan woman? Yes. No questions asked. I know you are leading me. I don't choose my congregation. You do. I don't choose my platform. You do. And for me, it is Equally joyous, whether I minister to Nicodemus or whether I minister to the Samaritan woman, all I want to do is, I delight to do your will. That's how the Spirit leads. That's how the Spirit leads. You know, but most of the time what we see is we leading the Spirit. That is why people are interested in gifts and not the person. Impress and not impact, as you said. As I said, you want to impress and not to impact. Even when it comes to the gifts, I tell you, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 or 7. Let me give it to you. 12. Verse 7. 
But the manifestation of the spirit, that is the manifestation of the spirit, operates in gifts, right? That is chapter 12. Is given to each one for the profit of all. It's not for your profit. It's not for your profit. It's the profit of others. Let's put it in practical terms, okay? Suddenly you get a package, and in the package you realize you got 100,000 rupees, and you're so happy. Wow, somebody sent me a gift, and inside there is a note. This is to be given to all the others. Yeah, I don't want this gift. Why did you just bothering me? My time, my energy, wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Give it to somebody else. If people realize what gifts are actually for, how many of them would want gifts? It is not for you. It is for the profit of all. Not only that. <laughs> Come back to First Corinthians 12. Okay. And verse 11. The one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Why does John Ritchie have gift of miracles and I have only gift of helps? Because he wills. Why can't he have helps and I have miracles? Because that's not yours to say. It's he, he who wills. Hmm. He who wills. You see, there isn't, even in the operating of the gift, <laughs> the there self. is nothing for the self. Hmm. And what you see is all impressing people. Hmm. Impressing people. Oh, that is why they need all these lights and show and jazz and all these things. And no, that is not how the apostles and all operated. They realize this is not about themselves. This is about the Spirit of God. This is about Christ Jesus. You get these pictures into your mind and your heart. You know what? Actually, it brings you a lot of contentment. Actually, it brings you... Now, I used to use this example. I used to ask this to people. Your child is, uh, let us say, especially with children, your child is four years, five years old, okay? It is his birthday or Christmas day or whatever. And you know what little one Junior wanted and everything. But you went and you bought it and you wrapped it all up. And you know Junior's attention span. You know it all. (laughs) And then you wrap the gift all up. And then on that day when you give it to him and he's opening up. Let me ask you this simple question. Who gets more joy? Mm, Father. The one who gives. Not the one who receives. The one who gives receives more joy than the one who receives. Because you have captured that moment. You know what? I brought joy. I brought pleasure. I brought happiness into somebody else's life. You carry it. The other person, after some time, he forgets it. Hmm. But you don't forget it. You don't forget it. You don't forget the look on his face. You don't look at his glee. You capture that moment. He's forgotten. After half an hour or two days later, the toy is in six different pieces if he's a boy. (laughs) But okay, you understand. But that moment was captured in your life. You know why? That's why Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So when God says all these things, he says, you know what? I made you. I made you. In my image, 
you know what? Why I am so full of joy every day? Because it's because I'm forever giving. Yeah, yeah. Every moment of every day, I'm giving and giving and giving and giving. Yeah. I'm just trying to tell you, I made you in my image. Mm-hmm. You want to be Enjoy. always mm-hmm. in joy and in peace. Be like me. Be a yeah. giver. Be a giver. And the only way you can be a giver, yourself has to die because yourself is a taker. Yep. Yourself is not a giver. Yep. Is a taker. And even when he gives, he gives only if he can receive something. If he doesn't get anything back, he will be offended. He will be offended. You don't say a thank you. You don't say how great job you have done. He is very, very upset. So his entire motive behind giving was to receive. That's what Jesus said. You who receive honor from each other. How can you believe? Can believe because you need to look for the honor that comes from God. This, this are all our barriers, boy, our barriers. But we understand how God is, and it is absolute liberty when we start walking in that life. It is absolute liberty that you do if you if you if you are a child, you do stuff in your believing child in an unbelieving home. You just do things for your parents. And you're not expecting anything back. You just have the joy of doing it for your parents. If you're married, you do it for your spouse. Why? Because you have the joy of doing. You know that is what God expects from you. This is what 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 like. That's why the young ones in the church, the little ones, all have been been reading that book by Sheldon called In His Steps. It's a very famous novel in the 1970s or 18th century or something. It is one small little town, only Christians in America, where some of those prominent people come together and decide, we will not, for one year, everyone is going to make this decision. Before we do anything simple or small, we will ask this question, what will Jesus do? There's a little newspaper in the town. The newspaper publisher, before he publishes any news, will ask Jesus, what will you do? Is this the news you want? Everybody in one year, the entire town is transformed. Wow. Entire town. They realize whole place is transformed because everybody is asking this question before doing anything. <laughs> what would Jesus do? <laughs> is it a work of fiction? <laughs> It is a fiction and non-fiction. <laughs> the reason I'm saying yeah. is that boy, if people think really about, think like think that. Think about uh, that. Let us say we have, let us oh say boy, oh 100 boy. people in our church or 100, oh. whatever this thing. From the child to the oldest, everybody comes tomorrow onwards saying from the 10th of July, we are going to ask this question. We are all going to ask. Don't presume or assume. Ask, ask Jesus, Jesus, Lord, what would you do? And everyone is only going to do what Jesus tells you. know what? Church will be full of givers. Houses would be so happy. Husband serving, wives, wives serving, husband, children serving, parents, parents serving, children, families serving each other. You know this is what the church was supposed to be. Mm. Mm. Jesus says, I and my father had worked from the beginning and even now are working. What are they working? Sorry. Their creation. Think on these things, as Paul would say. Think on these things and say, you know, I want to wake up every day and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What did you want me to do? And you suddenly realize, if you ask these questions, he will actually tell you what he wants you to do. Because that is what faith is, God living. That's what Paul says, Ephesians 2.20. Yeah. 
and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. <laughs> he will be forgiven. So, it has gone beyond, going to the root of it, what is causing this. And the Bible will say, therefore, confess your sins, sins to one to another. another. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now you are going deeper and deeper into the court, okay? If you come, you will be forgiven. But if you want to be forgiven, you know what? Can you humble yourself? Tell the elder what you did. Why? You don't want to go that way. Because once what is from the darkness has been made public before God, God says, I have taken, but still it's not being taken care of. God says, you know what you need to do? Tell it to your brother. Tell it to that elder. Now you know what? He also knows. He also knows. Okay. God always knew what David did with Bathsheba. But if David has to be delivered, David has to tell it to Nathan. Mm. Do you want deliverance? God said, David, tell it to Nathan and you are delivered. Hmm. I know. I know. Okay. It is one thing to live before the invisible. It's another thing to live before the visible. <laughs> Constant humbling. <laughs> See, it is live before, humble thyself before God. Hallelujah. I will go into my prayer closet. God said, that's not what I meant. You know how you humble myself, yourself before me? I will tell you before whom to humble yourself. That is how you humble before me. That's it. That is tough. That is death to self. Lord! Yes, sir. That is death to self. Death to, to the self. old man. Sometimes I may say, sometimes I may not say. Mm. But that's with me. That's not with you. I know you better than you mm. know me. Heart is deceitful. Of, I know your heart very well. <laughs> I know you. Something you don't have to say. I heard you. You heard me. You are forgiven. Go. But this is not going to end here. I know you well. So you know what? You know I'll go to that person until this is what I have done. Lord, what will they think about me? Doesn't matter. About what do you want me to think about you? <laughs> Which matters? What he thinks about you, what I think about you. That is how mm. it matters. If you look at it, that mm. chapter of James 5, 12 onwards, it's a dynamite on prayer. Is taking you from one step to deeper to deeper. Okay, this this uh, analysis, what um, test did not give full result. Next test did not give. Okay, finally you have to do an MRI scan, full body scan. In the full body scan, confess your sins to one another. Really, this man who does not know me, when he puts through the machine, he will see all my insides out. God says, if you want healing, let him see your inside. Boy, oh boy. Let him see your inside. But he thinks so highly about him. Let him think a little lowly about him. <laughs> Human ego. <laughs> That's where it delivers. Nathan thinks so highly about David. Nathan is so shocked when he has a revelation from God about David. <laughs> oh God. This man, this is... You go confront him. But really, he not cut my head. No. I, my, my, I know my boy. He won't cut your head off. He's just waiting. He doesn't know he's waiting. I know he's waiting. Sometimes we don't know we, we are waiting. But God knows when we are waiting. And this is where we need to understand. This is an awesome. Because you do all this. This is all God to do this with man, name, shame, reputation. Eternity, yes. none of these things will be Matter. there. Absolutely. Nothing. Absolutely. 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 Absolutely.
Absolutely. We need to understand what scripture means. I'll show you another thing which people don't understand. That is also in James. You know, by finally, James also had revelation. <laughs> James and all were this thing, no? This is brother yeah. of Jesus Christ. Dynamics. No, dynamics. dynamics. <laughs> These people were not all rebels, no? Finally, okay? <laughs> James chapter 2, words 12 and 13. So speak and see, speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. What is the law of the liberty? That's not the Levitical law. Mm. That's the law of God, the law of Christ. The law, of the law, okay? For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let me tell you something. Now listen carefully, everybody who is listening online. Walk in mercy. Walk in mercy. Because when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ Jesus, when some of your sins are brought forward for your rewards, the Spirit of God will say, overlook it because you showed mercy, 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 mercy here in his walk on earth to others. So mercy will triumph over judgment on that day because mm. you are a merciful person. But he says, if you haven't shown mercy over here on that day, you will not receive mercy. Be very careful about this. Be, don't be a self-righteous person. Be very, very careful about this mercy is talking about on that day of judgment. On Eve, you showed on earth judgment without mercy. God says, when you stand before me, I will judge you without mercy. It's not talking about losing your salvation. We are talking to believers over here. But on earth... You always showed mercy. Mercy. Okay, take a second chance. Come on, third chance. Don't give up. Come on, fourth chance. Get up, rise. Get on. Come on. You always showed mercy on that day. And you failed somewhere terribly on that, that day when that is brought up. God says, you know what? Ignore it. How can you ignore it? Because mercy triumphs over judgment. He's a person. Now, do you understand why David is will be one of the most decorated people in mm -hmm. heaven? Because he is a man who walked in mercy. His sins will be overlooked. Will be overlooked because he's a man who walked in mercy. If you look at what he has done, he's forgiven. But when it times for rewards, what about all the things? God says, you have no clue. Do you know what a merciful man he was? For a man to be in power and authority. To power. power, he was king, mm -hmm. absolute king. And the kind of mercy exercise to everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Mercy triumphs over judgment. So get these fundamental that principles. Is, actually, life. even mm -hmm. Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, mm -hmm. show mercy. Yes. He's that, that's what he says, even because you have so much of power. Power, no? Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing. We all have uh, positions of power. Everybody has some power somewhere. Mm -hmm. Everybody has some power somewhere. Because, you know, we don't have to be a king. Everybody exercises power over somebody. Somebody, you know. So even, even exercising power over animals, be very careful. Be very, very careful. Don't kill harmless animals. I'm telling you, exercise mercy. If you think God is not concerned about animals, read the book of Jonah. If you haven't read the book of Jonah properly, read, go to Jonah. They all repented also. No, not about repentance. What he says in the last, in the last the, the, verse. The, the worm. No, no, not all the worm. All the 
Last verse, verse 11. 10 and 11. 10 and 11. The Lord said, You have had pity on the plan for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Verse 11. And should I not pity in any way that great city in which more than there are 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? And much? What about the animals? Restrictions of pity on these animals? If God shows mercy on animals, shouldn't we show mercy on animals? Mercy works everywhere. You should read Charles Swindoll's book or an article he wrote about a man and his dog. This is a man who has a dog. His character is defined with the way he treats his dog. That's why men love their dogs. They say their dog is their best friend. People cry when their dogs die. You know why? Because they know this loyalty of this dog would die for his master literally die for his master. Honestly, if you have a dog, your own dog, and you are accosted with trouble, the dog will die for you. It will die for you. you know, and God says, you know, don't you show mercy? He says, I show mercy to the animals. He says, not even a sparrow falls to the ground without your father knowing. If God knows every sparrow falling to the ground, how do we deal with I'm not saying show mercy to cockroaches and all. There are certain things which are dangerous to life. Treat it as dangerous. But I'm saying there are a lot of stuff which are not. Okay? Are not. So we are not going into the PETA movement or all. But none of these movements will take root unless there is truth in it. Mm. Because that's the way man has been created. He has been created by truth. Mm. So he always needs some truth. You cannot sell something. Unless you bring some truth into it. So think about all these things. Be very, very careful about all these things. Okay? And you have to be very careful about these things. When you see young boys beating up dogs and kicking dogs, stop them and say, it's not right. It is not. We are not going the Hindu way that tomorrow you will be born as a dog and all reincarnate. We are not all going that way. But it's a real thing. Why? Because God created them. Would you ask a simple question which Sheldon asked? Would Jesus kick a dog? No, he wouldn't. Who didn't kick a dog? Who didn't beat up a dog? He wouldn't do stuff like that. You know, there are simple ways to talk to them. They understand better than human beings. You know, uh, Tommy is over there. If I don't like Tommy, I just go to the gate, open it, and say, Tommy, it's time for you to go. He looks at me and he goes. But tomorrow after service, 12 o'clock, please go downstairs, please go downstairs, please go downstairs, please go. How many times do you have to announce before people will go? No. <laughs> Say, but I am saying sometimes we don't understand animals have much more sense than human beings. And you don't have to beat them or anything. No. You tell your child, sit down. How many times you have to tell? If you have trained a dog, sit down, the dog sits down. Sit, sit, heal, heal. Wait for your dinner. He will wait for your dinner. The child will say, when it's coming, when it's coming, when it's coming, when it's coming. Heal, sit, sit. Wait, wait. That's what the Samaritan, so the Canaanite woman said. She said, even the, the dogs, dogs the eat the crumbs. The dog is satisfied with the crumbs. He never complains. I take care of your house. I protect your house. I guard it from him. You are only giving me crumbs. He's satisfied with the crumbs. If you think I am a dog, I'm satisfied with your crumbs. 
And God says, for such an answer, you receive your healing. So what did she bring about the dog that fascinated Jesus? Like what fascinated Jesus by the answer of the centurion? I am a man under authority. I know how power works. I know how authority works. If you are really a man of authority and power, you don't have to come to my house. I tell my soldier, go. He goes. He said, come, come, go. You just have to speak the word. My son will, my servant will be healed. You don't have to come. Jesus said, wow, you understand how authority works. Authority works. You understand. The same woman. He looked and said, wow. Two places where he said, great faith. Great faith. Okay. So don't just skip through the Bible and you know, go, go look at it and try to see from the heart of God. Okay, because if you go to the book of Isaiah and you live, uh, you read the millennial reign. How are the animals treated? Yeah. How are the animals treated? Is everybody killing everybody animal? No. <laughs> ox lion is eating grass. The ox is eating grass. Everything has been restored to the pre-fall. This thing. So, animals were never our enemies. Can you go right back into time and say, you know what? All these animals were named by my father Adam, and he talked to them. And we are reverting back into a place. A time will come where we will talk to the animals. And the animals and we all will be able to live in peace. So I am a man who is living by faith. So you know what? I can live with animals in peace now. Mm. I can live with animals. Okay, those who are afraid of, stay away. But I can live with animals in peace now. Live in peace now. Because they are also his creation. They are not saved or sanctified, but they are his, my father's creation. Okay, why? I'm saying in all these places, go to Psalm 78, the last verses today in the pastor's conference. We ended up with David. Psalm 78, Psalm 78 the last verses. This was, is Got it? He also chose David, his servant. Took him from where? The sheepfolds. Sheep Why did he pick him from the sheepfolds? There were so many shepherds. Did he pick everybody? No. Yeah. From following the eaves that had young, he brought him. Okay. Where did he pick him up from? Where did he pick him up from? I think let us see the... Which version is this? This is uh, NKJV. NKJV. Let me try to give you another version, maybe NIV. Okay. Yes. One of the versions, I love it. Live and I it is another person who were heavy with the NLT. with the with not an IV, it's not NLT is also there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, NLT is there? It's okay. He chose David, took him from okay. The, the eaves. Let's go back to NKJV. It is fine. It is fine. Eves that had young, he brought him. Have you have you have you ever been in the countryside? <laughs> have you ever been in a farm? First, the most harmless, helpless creature on earth is a sheep. And the most helpless among is the mother who is heavy. Heavy. Pregnant, heavy. Waddles. She can't defend herself. She can't do anything. And you know how gentle and how patient and was David with that? God was watching. God was watching. 
He's, that, that's why verse 71 is there. He took him from the sheepfolds. No. Why did he alone was picked from the sheepfolds? It's because the tender nature of him to the weakest among his sheep. He saw him following the eaves that had the young. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. He says, you know what? He will do it with tenderness. He will do it with tenderness. He will do it. Okay, so don't re- go to this. Has all got to do with mercy, because we are recipients of God's mercy twenty four seven. And therefore, God says, you know, when you make judgment, make it in mercy, because mercy triumphs over judgment. And you and I experiencing it every. Otherwise, I should die of a heart attack now. Mm-hmm. It's the mercy of God that's keeping me alive. Why are we all alive? Because it's the mercy of God. So it says, mercy triumphs. Make judgments. But always be merciful. Always be merciful. You have to make judgments about life <sighs> in mercy. Otherwise, on that day, on that day, on that day, what will happen? When we stand before God, we have all our sins willfully committed. Jesus is saying, okay, I had so much for you. It's all been negative marking. It's all gone. Spirit of God, does he have anything on it? Yes, Lord. What do you have? He has shown so much mercy. Oh, he has shown mercy. That is the actual real facet of God's nature. He's showing mercy every moment of every day to his creation for the past thousands of years. He was merciful. Not that God is surprised, I'm just acting it out. (laughs) You are just like me. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy, because you are merciful. So extend mercy. Extend mercy. Get these pictures all right. Because the kingdom of God is not like what we think about. And start living in that kingdom. And how do you live in the kingdom is by led by the spirit. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. What is the kingdom of God? It is righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay, we will say uh, we are righteous. Okay, by faith we are righteous. Let me ask you this question. By faith we receive the righteousness that is of God. But what gives us the righteousness of God? The mercy of God. The act of mercy of God. Mm -hmm. Did you see? It's God's mercy that makes me righteous. If God is not merciful, I'm still unrighteous. God's mercy that makes me righteous. So God says, you know what? Factor mercy into your life. You will keep on growing in righteousness. Because it is God's mercy that he made you righteous. And a man who is righteous, like me, is a merciful man. He's a merciful man. And you look at the great men in the Bible, you will see like Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham interceding for, or sorry, Moses standing in the gap and saying, wipe me out, save these people. They are all showing the facet of God's mercy. God says, that my friend, this one I talked to him face to face. And David, that boy is after my own heart. He's a merciful man. Look at the big names. The big names, you know. 
And you look at them and you realize, this is who these people were. And you look, that's how the Holy Spirit teaches you. Like I said, now when you look into the Bible, when you're studying the Bible, we are not looking for knowledge. We are looking for the knowledge of God. We are not looking for revelation. We are showing the revelation of Christ's mm. character. This is what we are looking for. Because why? The new man wants to be that. Mm. Because he has to be conformed into the image of God. I cannot be conformed into an image until I know what the image is. Once I see the image, you surrender and say to the Holy Spirit, you showed me this, now make me this. To be this, what should I do? And the Spirit of God will say, do this. Do this. And in that act, when you're doing it, you're becoming something. That's why faith without works is dead. Mm. It is the work that makes you. Mm. That makes you. The Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what to do. When you are doing it and you are doing it consistently, it becomes who you are. Mm. Otherwise, it's theory in your head. You, you know and that theory makes you very uncomfortable. I know I have to be merciful, but I cannot be merciful because I don't like the people to whom he's saying he's being merciful. <laughs> and it makes you miserable. Miserable. And that's David. He's a miserable man because he was a merciful man. Basically, God is coming. And if you listen to the conversation God has through Nathan with David, he's saying, you know, dude, you were a very merciful man. Mm, Why did you take Uriah's wife? <sighs> Why did you kill him? Why, if you wanted women, I would have given you women. I told men, this is the best way, perfect way, one wife. But I permitted men to take multiple wives. I would have allowed you to take all the concubines of Saul. If that is what you wanted, I would have allowed you. But why did you do that? You know, in doing that, you know what happened? One, you didn't show mercy to Uriah. You marred my character. You were a man after my own. You were a merciful man. I saw you with Mephisopod. I saw you with Saul. I saw you with Jonathan. I saw you with all. And I was tickling with you. You were a very merciful man. But one place, you forgot to show mercy. You forgot to show mercy. That is the conversation the Spirit of God has with you. Okay? Because mercy is an integral part of God's righteousness. Because if he's not merciful, I cannot be righteous. Cannot be righteous. So this evening we stop there, Pastor Vich. Yeah. Hmm? We are stunned. We just have to skip part. <laughs> just let it soak in. <laughs> we are not compromising. God yeah. never compromises yeah. no, 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 on truth. truth. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are yeah. not compromising. Absolutely. Basically, we are saying is that when it comes to me personally, I show mercy. I leave judgment to God. I leave judgment to God. It's not mine to judge. If I can take the, the, what you call, I, when you are showing mercy to an individual, you know what you're saying? You're paying his bill. Mm. Do you get it? Exactly. Two people go to, for a coffee or something and you say, I pay the bill. Who drank? He drank. Who paid the bill? Your you paid the bill. Basically that's what mercy. He sinned against you, but I said, I'll pay the bill. Also, mm. That's what Christ does. He pays our bill. Mm. And when you show mercy, you are acting like Christ. You are mm. paying the bill. And God says, that is a man. That is a man. David, after my own heart. Look at the mercy he shows Shemai. Who would show mercy to Shemai? I mean, I wouldn't want to show mercy to people like Shemai. But David shows. 
What he gives counsel is to a young son, be a king, that fellow is from the tribe of Saul, keep his throne secure, because these guys can create political havoc. So he's giving counsel and wisdom, wisdom mm. this thing to him. But he showed mercy to every. Mm. If you look in David's life, do you know the only person he did not show mercy? Uriah. God was upset about it. The only person in his entire life, you read his entire record, he did not show mercy. He did not show mercy to Uriah. And God was upset. Actually, he was a deserving, most deserving of all. No, it's not about deserving. If you put then again, we bring something. Mm-hmm. Don't bring deserving. None no, of us deserve. No, no, I'm talking about Uriah being the most deserving of all the people to, to whom you should have shown No, no, no. Then we are a, a brought judgment into it. Then we will start, okay, he deserves more mercy. No, we all deserve mercy. We are all sinners. Sin is the same before God. It's mm. filthy. Then we will show this one mercy because he's so righteous and this one is not. Actually, the unrighteous deserve more mercy than the righteous. Mm. The unrighteous deserve more mercy than the righteous. But the righteous will say, I can stand on my have only done this much. You know, the unrighteous deserves more mercy. It is not about who, how good he was or whatever. It's a simple thing that you didn't show mercy. You killed him. You killed him. Why did you kill him? Because you are not willing to humble yourself. You could have called Uriah home. And you could have sat with him in your inner chamber and said, you know, Uriah, we are talking man to man. We are not king to subject. I goofed up with your wife. Will you forgive me? She's pregnant. She's pregnant. That's my child. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive your wife? Could you raise up the child as your own? And I will do everything that I can do to make amends for it. That's what you should have done. That's what you should have done. You didn't do that. God was upset. Of course you are king. What is Uriah going to do? I mean, of course, there will be tension between the husband and wife. God can restore anything and everything with merciful people. If you are a merciful man or a merciful woman, God can do anything with that person. Restoration to the... He can make your marriage better. You can make your life better than before. He can do it all if you are merciful. That's what he should have done. He should have humbled himself and asked Uriah for mercy. He didn't do that. But I said, that's not your baby. It's my baby. And she's not at fault. I am at fault. She's a subject. I was the king. I commanded her to be brought. You take the blame, not her. I take the blame. I take the blame. If he had done it, it would have been a different story altogether. By the time God had to accost him, it had become a mess. Mm. Not in the eyes of the people, in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. Only in the eyes of God. You need to realize, you know, that is where we talk about humbling. You have to humble yourself before God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And sometimes God may tell you stuff to do. And you know what? You don't fear because he's a God of restoration. He's a God of restoration. And he's able to make it better than before. Better than before. That's what God, that's what says the glory of the latter house mm-hmm. shall be greater than of the former house. Okay. So look at life that way. Sometimes it's kind of stuff which 
we say from here is difficult. But if you do the difficult things, and you know it is true, and the Spirit of God convicts you and do it, you know what? What you have is an infusion of more of the Spirit of God, of the divine nature. More of the Spirit of God. And what happens is, you have peace. At the end of the day, everybody is looking for peace. And they don't have peace. Because there is only one who can give peace. Okay, look at kings. <laughs> Why did Nehemiah have so much favor with God? Because God, sorry, favor with the king. Because he found a Hebrew eunuch whom he could trust to drink, drink with his life, who would be drink his wine and drink his food. You think these people at the top live in? They live in fear. Yeah. They don't even trust. They have to have this most trustworthy security people around them. Even they, they don't trust. They always scared. Even Mordecai was, you know, he gets the plot right. He okay. the plot. That's all Everywhere right. that is yeah, the same yeah. thing. You think they're all walking at? Everyone is wearing bulletproof vest inside. Every one of them have bulletproof vest inside. In spite of all the security. Imagine Modi coming two weeks back, last Sunday or something to yeah, have shut the city down. For what? Because of his insecurity. She's <laughs> true. She's true. Because of his security. That's what, how they live. So what kind of a life is that? While Jesus walked freely, nobody could kill him. They tried to kill him. He walked through it. Absolutely secure. My being led by my father. My father will not allow them to touch me before my time. As simple as that. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall close for the day. Yes. As the Australians, my brothers, Australians say, for the die. <laughs> we shall close it for the die. You just have to learn to love God. Even that you have to learn. If in Titus, Paul says, older women has to teach younger women to love their husbands and, and our children. The Spirit of God will teach us how to love God. Everybody learned to love good things in life, no? You learned, right? <laughs> oh, this is my favorite dish. How did you? How did it become favorite? You learned to love it, right? <laughs> well, since you learned to love all these temporal, carnal things, ask the Spirit of God to teach you to love the eternal things of God. Mm. Things that are eternal, not temporal, above all person of God that is shown to us through Jesus Christ when he comes he will not speak about himself he will speak to you about me the Holy Spirit will show this is what Jesus is like this is what Jesus is like this is what Jesus is like why is the Holy Spirit speaking only about Jesus you know why because he is the bridegroom the church is the bride mm -hmm. it's preparing a bride Mm. For Christ. You know what are the final, final verses in the old new covenant? Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. And the bride, spirit and the bride says, Come Lord. Come Lord. Mm. The spirit and the bride intention, desire has become the same. What is the spirit's desire? Someone has to be glorified. Come. Come and be glorified. Is the bride's desire the same? Come and be glorified. Yes. Come and be glorified. I mean, she, he cannot be glorified unless the bride is ready. Mm. 
So the spirit is constantly working over time actually to get the bride ready. So when Jesus said, behold, I am coming quickly, the spirit and the bride can, can say, come Lord. Okay. It's a very romantic story. Mm. Genuine, real, yeah. eternal romance Hallelujah. is Christ and the church. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing. Yes, Pastor Vijay, let us pray. Please pray, Pastor. It's a very difficult spot to pray. Father, we just love you, Lord. We just love you. We just love you. We just love you, Lord. We just love you. You came with grace and truth. You didn't come with grace alone. You did not come with truth alone. You came with both, O Lord. Truth examines us. Truth shows what we are. When we humble ourselves before you and we acknowledge what you show us, mercy forgives, grace saves, love covers. Mm. That's who you are, O Lord. <clears throat> the Son of Man did not come to condemn. He came to save, to seek, to save the lost. And you're still at the same job, Lord, 2,000 years, seeking and saving the lost. From the fields of China to the caves of Afghanistan to the deserts of Egypt, everywhere, mm. you are saving your people. In the countryside, in the city, the broken, the lost, the miserable, the sick, the lonely, you are saving them. Mm. The church is your hands and your feet on earth. Help us to be just that, Lord. Your hands, your feet. Showing your love, your mercy, your kindness. Yet preaching and standing in the truth without wavering. Because a lie cannot save. Only truth can save. Hmm. We will not compromise on the truth, O oh, Father. But we are a people of grace. We preach the truth and we walk in grace. Hmm. Teach us to balance it, Lord. Unless you do it, Spirit of God, we will not know how to walk in that, Lord. Help us every day to balance truth and grace, grace and truth. Help us, Lord. Come into church into thy hands. All of us here in Hyderabad, yes, it's raining outside, but mm. Lord, nothing will stop us. Yes. We believe from coming to your home. Amen. You will yes. be with us. Yes. You will bring everyone into the church safely. Protect mm. us from sickness, from harm, from danger. In the worldwide church that is listening, Lord, bless them. Protect them. Let no one feel down. Even now, Spirit of God, you do not come to condemn. Mm. You don't keep a history of our sins. Yes. What is forgiven Yes. Is forgotten. Amen. It is not there. Yes, Lord. But things from our past which empowers our present behavior, you are diagnosing it so that we can deal it for once and for all mm. and walk in the liberty of sons and daughters and not to live in bondage like slaves for whom the son sets free. Yes, is free indeed. Yes, to freedom, to liberty we have been called. Thank you. Thank you, Father for the freedom you give us every day above all to worship you, to walk with you. Thank you, Father. Be with your people in the night. Give them rest. In the morning, in the other side, give them the strength to work out your mm. will in their lives. Thank you, Father. Mm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.